This is First Down Dynasty, right here on the Sports Ethos Network. Good morning, evening, afternoon, night, wherever you're listening to us. This is a special occasion. This is the inaugural episode, the maiden voyage, if you will, of First Down Dynasty, a fantasy football podcast. We are so excited to be bringing this to you. Oh boy, I am so excited. My name is Eric Kravitz. I am more commonly known as the Krav. The man across the internet is my esteemed co-host. His name is Will Canova, but you can call him Bill Nye the fantasy guy how excited are you to be here today will i'm i'm excited but i feel like with this new venture us kind of moving uh for right now exclusively into dynasty content i think i'm due for a name change (laughs) i think instead of bill nye the fantasy guy it's gotta be bill nye the dynasty guy like we just we gotta make that change that sounds so good I feel like that meme where the kid is just like rocking back and forth with his hands, like that rocked me to my core, but it makes so much sense. Rocked you like a hurricane? Kind of. We're uh, in the Northeast. We don't really get those. Sandstorm? Um, it rocks us like air quality issues. That's Oof. what that rocked me like. And if you don't live under a rock, you know exactly what we're talking about. We're not here to talk about air quality issues because of Canada. We are here to talk about dynasty football. And we'll talk about later on as we get more into the world of dynasty football, what it means to build a team. But most importantly, when it comes to building a team in dynasty, you want to stack a position filled with long-term you know, production, long-term growth. You, you want young guys and you want to make sure that they're going to flourish for a long time. And outside of quarterback, you're not going to find longevity You're not going to find perfection outside of quarterback, except when you look at wide receiver. Wide receiver is the bread and butter of most long-term successful fantasy football teams in Dynasty. And Bill Nye, the Dynasty guy, that's going to take some time to get used to, let me tell you. It fits, doesn't it? It it, does. I'm not saying it doesn't roll off the tongue. I'm just saying that I'm gonna have yeah. to get some. Uh, we're, gonna- we're 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 due for a lot of changes, a lot of lot of a lot of new things coming down the pipeline. So yeah, but anyway, know. we're gonna give you our rankings of the top 15 guys. We're gonna have a Twitter handle set up by the time this rolls around. This is also just a demo, but we're gonna have a Twitter. We're gonna have some other social media. I really don't want to download TikTok, but goddamn it, if we have to. You're going to be seeing this ugly mug everywhere. First and second, basically a no-brainer. You have Justin Jefferson, the highest-ranked fantasy wide receiver in any capacity. The man is a freaking monster. Led the league in receiving yards last year. Was insane. Kirk Cousins was throwing him the ball. This might be Kirk Cousins' last year in Minnesota. We don't know. There's a lot of speculation happening that this is it for him if he doesn't advance deep into the playoffs. Jamar Chase is tied to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow ain't going nowhere. And I'm not sitting here saying that you should draft Jamar Chase over Justin Jefferson. I'm saying that Jamar Chase tied to Joe Burrow might make more sense for people 
than Justin Jefferson tied to insert person here. Solid, solid logic. <laughs> Here's my problem. Okay. I really don't think there's necessarily that big of a difference. But the fact is Jefferson is putting up slightly better numbers with Cousins as opposed to Burrow. Now, what does that necessarily mean? I don't know. But quite frankly, if the Vikings are going into a situation where they're going to have a quarterback change, they don't know who the next quarterback is going to be, and they have to pay Jefferson coming up, I think next year he's eligible. I don't know what that contract is going to look like. It's going to be an albatross kind of contract. But I could, if they're going towards a rebuild, I could very easily see him signing somewhere else. I'm going to be perfectly honest. So I don't really know what that situation might look like. And the problem is, you know, Chase, as talented as he is, as good as Burrow is, for some reason I have this problem where I think Jamar Chase has a consistency problem more so than Jefferson does. That's always kind of why I preferred Jefferson over in these debates previously. So I still think it's Jefferson one, in spite of all those issues over chase. You are a bold man, my friend. I, I mean, later on in this list, we do have a second wide receiver from one of those teams and I'll give you a hint. It's not going to be anybody from the Minnesota Vikings. So that person also will cut into Jamar chase's, you know, production, but in, in the open field, I feel like it's really tough to do better than Jamar chase. I'm not, I'm not saying he's a better receiver than Justin Jefferson. Long-term he may be, we have yet to see, but in open field, there are few people I trust more than I trust Jamar chase, but we have to keep going. We're in agreement. Justin Jefferson, one Jamar chase, two. Pretty much. And we just want to make sure we're all on the same page. This is at least a much fair argument and discussion than Justin Jefferson or Jalen Rager. Imagine being that team that did that. You know what? My first ever dynasty team, Will. Oh, boy. Um, I, took, I, took over, I took over an orphan team. I had the first overall pick and like the eighth or ninth overall pick. I drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire over Jonathan Taylor. And then I was posed with a choice of two wide receivers. Justin Jefferson or Jalen Rager. I changed my name to the Philadelphia Eagles that year, and I haven't looked back. Moving forward now on our list of the top 15 dynasty wide receivers. Who do you have at three? I'm going back and forth on this in my head. But ultimately, I'm going to go CD Lamb three. He's insanely talented. Dak, you know, Dak is going to be Dak. He's never going to be elite, but he's not a scrub by any means. And you saw what CD did last year with basically no one on the opposite side of the field with, you know, Schultz hit or miss at tight end, Dak missing games early in the season. And he still had a ridiculous season. So now, you know, I don't think you're ever really going to have a situation like that again. Already this year, Michael Gallup coming in healthy. You have Brandon Cooks. And, you know, it seems like a more, I don't know, well-put-together offense. And it looks like it's going to be that for, you know, a few more years as they turn over, getting rid of Zeke at this point. 
So I do like CD at number three. Now the question was AJ Brown. I have him at four and fantastic year last year. And he's a physical specimen, but I don't know. Something's always bothered me about his injury history. And I don't know. I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop on that one. I don't blame you for a second. First and foremost, I too have CD lamb at three eclipsed hundred yards in all uh, in three of the four last games, three touchdowns, 11 targets, 14 targets in week 17 against Cincinnati. God damn ridiculous. And you mentioned Brandon Cooks comes in, probably the best second receiver CD's ever played with when he was the alpha with Amari Cooper. He was not the alpha. Now he is. So Brandon Cooks is a nice compliment. They did lose Dalton Schultz. Those targets do have to go somewhere. And Jake Ferguson isn't going to be the guy to take all of those targets away. Tony Pollard out of the backfield with Malik Davis. It's CD Lamb's room. He's the entire offense, at least to me at this point in time. AJ Brown, however, fell down my list a little bit. He is number five. Oh, you know it, man. AJ Brown and PPR had 300 points last season. Good for sixth among wide receivers. He was second with 11 touchdowns. I don't know if he's able to replicate that success moving forward with Devonta Smith coming into his own. Spoiler alert, he's also on this list. A healthy Dallas Goddard also does cut into some of the production. And they added a really big piece in DeAndre Swift. And I know, I know, it's very difficult to trust DeAndre Swift to be healthy. In an offense where they run the ball with the quarterback first, he won't be relied on to run as much as he was in Detroit. He'll be able to catch balls out of the backfield a lot more successfully with Jalen throwing the ball than he was with Goff. He doesn't have to worry about Jamal Williams vulturing him on the touchdowns. And the only receiving threat that Detroit had was Amon Ross St. Brown. A.J. Brown is incredible. I'm not saying he's not. He's my number five. I'm saying it'll be really, really, really difficult for him to reproduce the success that he had last year for years to come moving forward, especially like Will said, when you have a knee injury. He's just, he's never missed significant time, but he always seemed to be banged up. You're always questionable so many weeks when he was with Tennessee. And just, I really don't think we appreciate what kind of season the Philadelphia Eagles had as a whole last year that every offensive playmaker had just a ridiculous season. And even if they've added to that, I, I just have to imagine there's some regression. You can't have a season like that again. Like even Patrick Mahomes had some regression and, you know, year to year, overall relatively consistency, but like that first year, 50 touchdowns that year, nobody touched those numbers. Tyree killed Kelsey. They didn't touch those exact numbers again with all the weapons that they added coupled with his injury history, reproducing those numbers again and again and again and again, really difficult. If he does it, I would love to be proven wrong. I would also love to be proven wrong about my number four, because I think he should be number three, number two, or maybe even number one. And this is in a Homer bias. This is using what we saw last year with the weapons that he had throwing him the ball, with the pieces around him, Garrett Wilson 
had an incredible season. He was only 21st in wide receiving points. I get that. He was a, he was a wide receiver too last year. He had, he also only had four touchdowns. He had 1100 yards, 80 receptions. I get it. Those aren't eye popping numbers. You want to know what makes them eye popping numbers? Realizing that Zach Wilson and Mike White were the ones throwing him the ball. Realizing that Brees Hall got hurt early on in the season and everything had to go through Garrett Wilson with the substandard quarterback play of the Jets last year. And it hurts to say. If you stick with us, you're going to realize that we're Jets fans and we don't hide it. We wear that badge of shame proudly. And I cannot wait for tinfoil hat day at MetLife Stadium when Aaron Rodgers connects with Garrett Wilson for three touchdowns and 150 yards. Garrett Wilson with Aaron Rodgers, I think, has the potential to move up to the Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson conversation. He did all of those things, all of those things with nobody at quarterback. And that's going to be a theme as we move down this list, Will. Imagine having one of the best all time. Imagine having Aaron Rodgers with a healthy Brees Hall. You bring in Alan Lazard. You bolster up the offensive line. Do you see a ceiling for Garrett Wilson? Oh, first of all, I think you're disrespecting Joe Flacco and Chris Strebler. I couldn't care less about Joe Flacco and Chris Strebler. Um, But just the fact that we just named four quarterbacks and three of them, two of them are no longer on the team. One is a four stringer who really shouldn't be playing in the NFL. And the fact that I think the completion percentage last year was like 50% for the Jets quarterbacks combined. It was something of that nature. It was pretty bad. So going to Aaron Rodgers is obviously a major upgrade. Uh, Rodgers himself, not a great year last year, especially compared to other years. But I think we can attribute some of that to, you know, whatever was going on behind the scenes in Green Bay. In addition to the thumb injury, he was playing most of the year with a broken thumb. So I have to believe, and you know, you've already seen a little bit of chemistry reported from the OTAs. Uh, Rogers has talked up Garrett Wilson, saying, you know, he is one of those guys. He has a different gear. He has something special to him. And Kravitz, would you believe that the first time Aaron Rodgers throws a touchdown pass to Garrett Wilson this year? will be the first time Aaron Rodgers has ever thrown a touchdown pass to a first-round drafted wide receiver. Of course I would believe that. Green Bay didn't care about Aaron Rodgers. Why would they get him offensive help? (laughs) I don't know. God forbid. Right? And I'm looking at these numbers for Garrett Wilson. There were weeks where he had 17 targets, 15 targets, 14 and 11 targets early on. These were with bad, bad, bad quarterbacks. That game against Minnesota, 162 yards. He got 162 yards, 15 targets in a game that they lost. Being a Jets fan is miserable, guys. If you don't know, I, I know we are uh, we're with Ethos. They're on the West Coast. Listen, y'all, y'all might know pain w- w- with your Chargers not being able to make the Super Bowl. You might know the, 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 with the. With, with you know Christian McCaffrey playing quarterback for you in the in, in the NFC Championship game last year, you might think you know pain. Will and I were born into the pain. We were molded by it. We didn't see an AFC Championship game until Mark Sanchez ran full head first into his center's ass. I don't want to hear 
about West Coast pain. So is part of my excitement for Garrett Wilson bias? Maybe. The numbers show that he is on the verge of becoming the next great wide receiver in football. And I don't care if that if you think I'm biased. I don't care if you think I'm crazy because the numbers show it. The numbers prove it. And I'm a numbers guy. And numbers never lie. And we both believe in Garrett Wilson. And another receiver who has very similar numbers to Garrett Wilson as a rookie went to the same college as Garrett Wilson. Kravit, it's your boy, Chris Olave. Is he I the... have at number five. Ooh, you have him at number five. You have him above Garrett Wilson? Oh, boy. Um, I have them neck and neck. I haven't decided. So he's like he's so he's like five A five B, five A okay. five B. Okay. I really so I really have them both the same um thing right there, but because Garrett Wilson had no quarterbacks, which is impressive in its own right. At least Olave had Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston, oh. which it's not it's well it's not even close compared to what the Jets quarterbacks are rolling out. You you even know this. You know this. You, you no 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 no. You know this. You know this. It's bad. It's pretty. It's bad. But it's not. It wasn't jet bad. But he still was the main guy as a rookie. No Michael Thomas. Um, who is he coming back this year? We haven't heard anything. I have no idea what's going with that. Um, you had other receivers develop. You know, um, Rashid, uh, but you know, Jarvis Landry's gone. So Olave is you know pretty much the number one guy along with the shell of whatever Michael Thomas decides to roll out this year. And, and a guy like Derek Carr, I don't know what happened the last like year and a half in Denver. Excuse me, in uh, Vegas. I don't know why I said Denver. Something was wrong with him and the coaching staff. There didn't seem to be a good fit. And I really feel like now that he's chosen his place, the coaching staff clearly has a plan to use him and use his strengths in the right way. I think him and Olave could form a pretty good connection for the next few years. And I don't really think I have to convince you. You've been a big Olave fan since he got drafted. I've been a big Olave guy since day one. I liked Olave more than I liked Garrett Wilson and Drake London to come in out of school. Don't ask me why. It was, just, it was my feeling at the time, and I'm glad I was proven right. I have him at my wide receiver six. I completely agree with you. Again, he, he also had four touchdowns. He had 1,050 yards, only 70 receptions. I think that I think that is what's going to bump him up. In a full PPR league, 70 receptions for a guy like Chris Olave should be the baseline. It should be the bottom of the barrel for what he does for the foreseeable future. They did bring in Foster Moreau. They have a whole thing right now with Alvin Kamara. Jamal Williams is there. He's the new goal line back. They drafted Kendra Miller, who they think can do some of the Alvin Kamara things that Kamara did, but that could also be coach speak. Like you said, Michael Thomas and Rashid, uh, Rashid Shahid are also there. They have Juwan, uh, Juwan Thompson. Juwan Johnson. I don't know why I said Thompson. We're all over the place today. Well, the point is, Will mentioned it. Chris Olave is the star of the show. And now that they have a real quarterback in Derek Carr, who was my second choice for the Jets, I would have loved to have Derek Carr. But he ended up in the Big Easy. He's in New Orleans. And I think he and Chris Olave can thrive the way he and Devontae Adams should have thrived. 
and they did thrive for a little bit. They did roll. They 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 were in a groove for a while. It's not impossible that Olave can pick up where Devonte Adams left off. That's why I have him at my six. Do you have anything else to say about Garrett Wilson? Is your five B? No, I'm not really. I own him in you know two dynasty leagues already. Very happy about that. I'm expecting good things. I'm expecting you know top five, six wide receiver numbers. Because I think with a quarterback that can actually, I don't know, throw him open and on addition to when he actually gets open himself, he's actually I he's going to catch over 100 balls this year easily. You damn right. I think this is where our list will start to diverge quite a bit. Very possibly. At my seven. I have Amon Ross St. Brown of the Detroit Lions. So not yet. (laughs) <laughs> but it will happen. It'll it has to happen sooner or later. Uh Amon Ra missed the game last year. He played about three or four games hurt, but only missed one game. Still finished as a seventh receiver on the season. 106 receptions were good for fifth among wide receivers. Had six touchdowns, 1,200 yards. And this is when TJ Hawkinson was part of the offense early on. This is when Jamison Williams wasn't there for the most part. He started the season hurt. And this season, he's starting six games out because he was suspended for gambling. So it will be the Amon Ross same Brown show this upcoming, uh, at least to begin this season. They did draft Jameer Gibbs. They drafted Sam Laporta. Both have been receiving rave reviews in rookie camp. But it's still Amon Ross same Brown. 106 receptions. He and Jared Goff have something special. Who would have known that Jared Goff moving to Detroit would have been the reincarnation that his career needed. And on top of that, the coach taking shots at McVay and the coaching staff in LA for not using him the right way. Go figure. Imagine not using a quarterback the right way where they, and you took him to a Super Bowl. Very, very weird. Um, but I think Amon Ross St. Brown is in an incredible position, especially in full PPR leagues, which uh, we're operating with. If you're in a half PPR league, he might take a tumble a little bit. If you're in a not on a PPR league, you shouldn't be playing fantasy football at this point. Half PPR has turned into the new standard. Half PPR, half uh, first down gained is where I where I want to be in the next couple I, of years. I will say this because I don't really expect much to change. I still think he's going to be one of those guys, almost like a Cooper Cup type, that's just going to be peppered a lot throughout games with targets. But looking down the road, more not as much this year, but looking you know into the next several. So, you know, with Jamison Williams coming back, with drafting a guy like Gibbs, who is very well-seasoned catching the ball out of the backfield, you know, I don't know if, like, the insane target share is always going to be there, especially if Gibbs can stay healthy, because the problem with Swift is he was never able to really show any consistency. Otherwise, he would have taken up a lot of targets the last uh, two years as well. So is the consistency going to be there with the target share? I don't know. but even if it goes down a little bit, it feels like he's going to average eight catches a game, even if he gets eight targets a game. You know, that's the kind of guy he always has seemed to be the last few years. And the other big question I do have, the one thing holding me back is, and I can't believe this is the question, is Goff going to remain the quarterback in Detroit? If he shows out this year, I don't see why not. He piloted, one of the best offenses in the league last year, the lions led the NFC North in scoring. 
They scored more than the 13 and four Vikings. They were the offensive class of that division. They just had really bad luck. Could they actually win that division this year? Anything is possible. You never um, know. They, they gave up the same amount of points as the Vikings did last year. They scored more than the Vikings did last year. It's just the way the football fell at the end of the day. Detroit could have very easily been 13 and four, 12 and five, and Minnesota could have been nine and eight, 10 and seven. It's just a matter of how, how the football fell at the end of the day. Minnesota should have lost against the Jets. I'm going to, I'm going to hold that until the end of time. Yeah. Jalen Waddle is my eight. Yeah. It's eight <laughs> or nine for me. It's him or T Higgins. See, I have, I have T Higgins at number 10. I have Tyreek over him. Oh, no, I have Tyreek down at like 20-something. 20-something? Tyreek said, basically, that he only intends to play like another year. He's playing the contract out. He was, it was a three-year contract. He's got two years left this season. And next man, season. He, he, even you, still, if, he said he wanted to retire sooner rather than later. I so I can't, I can't <laughs> draft him that high. Ooh, my goodness. Can't do it. Anyway, Jalen Waddle, this past season had 30 less receptions than he did his rookie year. Huge red flag for me. He also had over 300 yards more receiving this year than he had his rookie year. He had two more touchdowns than he did last year. He had 80 yards a game this year as opposed to 64 in his rookie year. My big problem with Jalen Waddell is somebody who's had him in many leagues, dynasty leagues, redraft leagues, he is way too inconsistent at this point in his career. Tyreek well, Hill takes a lot of targets from him. They have an insanely convoluted running back room right now that might add Dalvin Cook at the time of recording. He's not in Miami yet, but that's what the rumor and innuendo is insinuating. That team... With Tua at the helm, we also don't know what Tua is going to be like. He could take one hit and say, that's it, I'm done. And you're starting the goat might wipe. Well, that's the question. His mm-hmm. value is entirely dependent on Tua's health. Not if, his own, if his you quarterbacks. At, if you look at this list, we have Waddle, at least my list, Waddle, Tyreek, T. That rounds out my top 10. And then you have guys like Diggs and Cup, Devonta, Drake, DK, the list goes down. Are you taking any of those guys over Jalen Waddle at this point? I'm not saying that Waddle's not good. I'm not saying those guys are bad. But tiers are a thing. Tier lists are 100% a thing. And I put Jalen Waddle in a tier above all those other guys. I mean, I have him in the same tier as, you know, Amon Ra and T. Hickens and Stephen Diggs. Uh, So I have him in that tier with those guys. But unlike everyone else, like some of these other receivers, you're worried about their health. You're worried about his quarterback's health. That's the only thing. It's the only one because no other quarterback, you're necessarily worried about their health unless you're, you know, someone that's still trying to hold on to Trey Lance for some reason. Hey. Sorry. But other than that, Tua's health is what is holding Jalen Waddle back. Gravit, you owned him the year Tua for the most part stayed healthy and he nearly brought you to a title. So, I mean, the two years that I had Jalen Waddle in that redraft league, I was in back-to-back championships. I wouldn't say that he was the main reason why, but he was a contributor. 
and you said it, I just want to extrapolate on it. All of these receivers are dependent on their quarterbacks being healthy. Jalen Waddell is the most quarterback dependent wide receiver that we've discussed so far. Yes, that includes Garrett Wilson. I'll say that well, right he now. Proved, he, he proved he could do it without a quarterback. You're just hoping it takes that next step. Mm-hmm. But w- Waddle. W- Waddle proved that even with Teddy Bridgewater, who is a serviceable backup quarterback, he wasn't able to get the job done in games that tool wasn't around, which was a huge, huge problem for Jalen Waddle. There were games where he had he only had double digit targets three times all last year. There was only one game that he had double digit receptions. He had more games under seven receptions than he did over. That is a problem if Tua Tungovailoa is not healthy. I could talk about this forever, but we got to move on. Give me your next. So I mentioned him just a few seconds ago. Um, it was between Waddle and Higgins. Higgins, the first technical wide receiver, two on my list. But he is still young. He's also tied to that guy, Joe Burrow. The, the difference here is I'm a big fan of him. But I don't know where he's going to be playing in two years. Because with Jamar Chase, he's definitely going to get a contract. I just don't, don't know if they're going to pony up the money for two elite receivers. And a guy who's in a great situation, who loves his quarterback, who has played with him in college, but probably wants to be treated like a wide receiver one and paid like a wide receiver one. Otherwise, as I probably may even have T Higgins higher, but I have him down there at like nine. He's earned it. Oh, he's absolutely earned it. But you see the situation he's in, and there's a little bit of uncertainty about his future. I agree. But in games, Jamar Chase was hurt a little bit last year. He had some foot and toe injuries, even with, games that they were both playing in T Higgins balled out was a top 10 wide receiver last year. I think top six when he, when he was healthy, dude was insane. No tight end there anymore. It's T and it's chase. And that's it. Joe Mixon might not even play this year because there's a whole something with domestic abuse. I I, not speaking to that, but the rumor is he might not play. They might cut him. There's a lot happening. I don't know. T. Higgins scares me sometimes, even though he does ball out with Jamar Chase there. Like you said, this is long-term. This is dynasty. We're not drafting for this year. We're drafting for the future. And I feel like a lot of T. Higgins' success is contingent on being linked to Joe Burrow and being linked to Jamar Chase. Being this, being the best second wide receiver on a team has its advantages. We've seen that with plenty of people in the past. T. Higgins could end up proving us wrong and he could go on to have an amazing career on another team being a very successful first option. He's not that guy right now. We don't know. Next on my list is Stefan Diggs. He's tied to yep. Buffalo for a long time, tied to Josh Allen for a long time. He did fade towards the end of last year. And by fade, I mean fizzle. And by fizzle, I mean he got stepped on. He was non-existent last year. I think that will change they sort of revamped the offense they drafted Dalton Kincaid who they're going to use more as a wide receiver and some of you may be new to uh Bill Nye the dynasty guy and myself but we have never 
ever, and this isn't even because we're Jets guys, ever been a fan of Gabe Davis. We never once had faith in Gabe Davis. Playoff games do not count in regular season. And those of you who put your faith in him this past year reaped what you sowed. I do think uh, Kincaid does step up into a nice role with the Bills. And he and Diggs and Dawson Knox, they might get something nice going on. But don't get it twisted. Stefan Diggs is the number one guy on that offense. And when he and Allen are connected, there's very barely, there's very rarely anybody better in football. I think the second half of last year, you saw that Allen was clearly dealing with something. He wasn't 100% healthy. Reportedly, there may have been some off-the-field stuff going on. So he wasn't on his game. And I think what you saw is teams made adjustments to the Bills' offense. They realize you take things away, and the Bills have a hard time of beating you. And last year was the first year without Brian Dable running the offense. And you saw that they really weren't able to make any adjustments in season to what teams started doing against them. Because you notice when, when we the Jets played them, whether it was Sauce or DJ Reed, they pretty much, you know, Diggs had a few good catches, but they controlled Diggs, and then the rest of the team really wasn't able to do all that much when, you know, the Jets played them. I think we were both at that game. That's why I remember that one. So we, you don't think we were at that game. We know we were. We were at that game. Let's so, not let, let's not give the people that's, the run that's, around. Well, it's anecdotal, so that's what I remember. But Brian Dable not being there, I really think you saw the second half of the year what that kind of really meant. So I think they're going to have a better showing, you know, another year removed. So I don't expect that to happen again. Trust me. In a redraft, I absolutely got killed. I was treading water due to injuries. Diggs was carrying me along with like two other people the first half of the season. And then he completely disappeared and I fell apart in the playoffs. The last four games of the year, he had five targets, nine targets, two targets, 10 targets in those four games, 37 yards, 60 yards, 26 yards. And week 18, when it didn't actually matter, 104 yards and a touchdown, but fading down the stretch is important. People. And maybe just maybe what Will said with the off the field stuff with Josh Allen did affect it. Apparently everything is better now. He is hanging out with Haley Steinfeld, supposedly, allegedly, don't sue us. Good for him. Mazel tov, the whole thing. Amen. The important thing is Stefan Diggs is a rebound candidate compared to where he ended the year last year. Because Stefan Diggs was still the fourth receiver in football last year in full PPR, 317 points. Had 11 touchdowns, tied for second with A.J. Brown. 108 receptions, 1,400 yards. He was incredible last year. Imagine if he didn't fade. Imagine if those last four games of the year were typical Stefan Diggs games. He would be much higher on my list, that's for sure. He would also be much higher uh, on any redraft list. He might be top five. Like Stefan Diggs is a guy that you need to be able to trust if you're a Buffalo guy or a fantasy football person. You need to be able to do that. Rounding out my list, um, I have an unpopular at the that technically what is my last wide receiver one. I have Cooper Cup. Oh, reliable coming off that ankle injury. 
he and Matt Stafford could end up having that nice and sexy connection one last time. A final hurrah, if you will. Because when Cooper Cup is healthy, and Will, you believe this a lot more than I do, he is that guy. He is that wide receiver. He is the best in the league when he's healthy. When he has somebody healthy throwing him the ball, and he turns 30, we don't know what post-30 Cooper Cup is going to look like, but I still have faith. I have benefit of the doubt that Cooper Cup can still be a number one option in fantasy football. Oh, no, he absolutely still can be as long as he's with McVay in this office. And I say that because obviously with Stafford, it's a great connection, but he was great before Stafford, too. So as you know, most of us feel Stafford may not be around for too much longer. I don't know if that means he's getting a new quarterback next year. I don't know if that means he's getting traded as after the Super Bowl, the Rams are kind of turning their whole roster over slowly but surely. So whether that's with another quarterback in the future, whether that's in this system, I'm still a believer in Cooper Cup, and I own him in several places. So I definitely do agree. Although I really don't know what you mean by the last wide receiver one, because there's still a guy. Hey, there, there are there are 12 wide receivers out there that can be wide receiver ones. Cooper Cup is my 12th wide receiver. That's what I mean by air quotes wide receiver one. The people can't see me put up quotes, but you can. Are you not paying attention to me? Well, am I not pretty enough? What is this? No, no. You still had Tyreek Hill up there. I skipped over him. Yeah. So that's why I still have one more on my list. Okay. And that still goes to Devontae Adams. <laughs> that is big. You're, you're tying uh, Aiden O'Connell to Devontae Adams. I don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. They have an out to cut him before the season starts because of his <laughs> foot injury. Aiden O'Connell would be the starting quarterback. No, no, no. This this is going to be Brady. We know this. Oh, oh. <laughs> so so when you so when you're ranking Devontae Adams, are you doing it with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm, or are you doing it with Tom Brady at the helm? Because that's very important. I'm I'm literally doing. Devontae Adams is talented enough that he's going to put up numbers. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Even with a bad quarterback, he's still going to get targeted 10 times a game. He's still going to get seven catches for like 90 yards because he's Devontae Adams. Because he's Devontae Adams. Basically. I, I mean, I think he's quarterback proof. I mean, we thought uh, DeAndre Hopkins was quarterback proof, and there were years where he proved us to be wrong. You know, that's true. But any kind of prove us right? I mean, last year with Derek Carr, that was not really a great year i mean it wasn't especially compared to what each of them have done previously listen Devontae adams with Derek carr last year was the wide receiver three okay exactly 100 receptions 14 touchdowns 1500 yards he's not touching 14 touchdowns or 1500 yards this year i'm telling you right now i don't care if it was Derek carr throwing are you assuming jimmy g is not playing i'm assuming that a healthy jimmy g can maybe get him to a thousand yards Hmm. Jimmy G was protected by his good looks and a Shanahan offense. Those are some good looks. It, man, just the man can't stay healthy. That's really what it is. And they're, he's in a tough division now. Com- compared to the NFC West, the AFC West is a completely different animal. The, the NFC West, the last couple of years, has been a cakewalk. What I'm going to count on? Mm-hmm. is that they are the worst team in that division. And what that means garbage is a lot King. of garbage time. He's the garbage garbage time royalty. 
Blaine Gabbert 2.0. Give me that Blake Bortles connection, baby. Throw a Molotov cocktail and yell Bortles at the top of your lungs. That is what you want for your king, Devontae Adams, Mr. Garbage Time over there. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, basically. All right, I, could, I, I can get behind that. Um, um, to round out my top 15, I have uh, a trio of Ds. I have Devonta Smith. I have Drake London. And I have DK Metcalf. Devontae Adams is my 16th wide receiver. You can you you can shrug me off all you want, William. Oh no, that's that's not a shrug. I just don't see the point why we make different lists anymore. Oh, god damn it, Will. <laughs> <sighs> so basically, the only the, the only difference in our lists, and I would like to make this clear, you have Devontae Adams in your top 12, and I have Tyreek Hill in my top 12. You have Cooper Cup high as well, correct? Yes. God. God damn it. We really, and like, we don't go over these lists with each other before we go on air because I feel like the reaction that we give is the organic stuff is what, what set us apart from other programs you might listen to. But God, like, we've been playing fantasy football together now for a decade, Will. That league that we started that I won a decade ago. I don't I don't want to talk about that. 10 years ago. Oh, just, just yeah. Yeah. Not good. Um uh, I can see the case for putting Drake London over Devonta Smith. I feel like that's something that you've done. Um actually no, not as of right now because Devonta Smith is still very young. He has a quarterback locked in right now. And he had an insane year last year. So even though he's a wide receiver too, still extremely talented. Drake London has the potential to pass him, but that really is an unknown right now because you don't know what Desmond Ritter is. Now with Ritter and being the number one target because Kyle Pitts can't seem to figure anything out, he had a 30% target share with Desmond Ritter the last four games of the year. 36 targets out of 115 attempts by Desmond Ritter. 36 out of 115. Now, that's a number I could be a part of. I do have one share of Drake London. So the potential is there, but and the touchdown total is there. But Devonta Smith, I think, is just much more explosive. So they're just they're different types of receivers. I see consistently, you know, probably Smith still being a little bit ahead, but it wouldn't shock me if London took a major jump. I think at the end of the year, Drake London will be in that top 12 wide receiver conversation. I truly mean that. Um, drafting B. John is a game changer for that Atlanta Falcons offense just in general, because if they don't play well, and if they're a bad enough team, and they could be a bad team next year, the Cardinals are going to be god-awful. The Texans will still probably be god-awful, even though they drafted Stroud and the Falcons. Those are going to be the top three teams. Caleb and May are going to be the two quarterbacks that go within the first four to five picks if everything from this past season stands. When the Falcons get either Caleb or May, Drake London can shoot up this list and be a potential top 10 guy. It, it all depends on the usage of B. John Robinson. It depends on the usage of Kyle Pitts. And it depends what Arthur Smith wants to do. Unfortunately, we are at the mercy. Arthur Smith has us by the balls and we don't know what to do about it. We don't like it. 
but he has locked Kyle Pitts away. He let Drake London fly a little bit, and I think adding Bijan will really let Drake London spread his wings and fly up this list to be a top 10 guy. I feel like that's all the time we have for top 15 wide receivers this week, Will, right? Unless you got something else. You got something else? No, not really. I mean, wide receivers are the backbone. Um, I broke it down on our show with you a few years ago. Average wide receiver plays longer career-wise than running backs. Average wide receiver plays an average of like 15 and a half out of 17 games during the season. Average running back plays about 12 and a half out of 17 games. Just they get hurt more, shorter careers. So the backbone of Dynasty, players that are consistent that you could count on, are these elite wide receivers. So they have to be the most important thing we talk about outside of quarterback. Remember when running back was the most important position in fun, in, in fantasy football? Yeah, it was about 10 years ago. Yeah, good times. Good times. That's all the time we have, by the way, on First Down Dynasty right here on the Sports Ethos Network. He is Bill Nye, the Dynasty guy. I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. I am the Crab. We will see you next time. Have a good night, everybody.